Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode 12. I welcome... What? Yeah, episode 12. <laughs> Can you believe it? Three months now. Let me carry the one. I'm doing the math in my head. Yes, three months. Uh, this has uh, been wonderful, and it's been revealing to me. I'm joined with Emily Trotter, and we together were Mama and the Rev. <laughs> We, we're, we're thinking about changing our name, you know, to that. Uh, Don't at us about that because I like it. <laughs> yeah. Mama and the Rev. Uh, and by the way, for those who might not know, I am not the mama. <laughs> and I am not the Rev. <laughs> There's been so much that we have gone through in the last 12 weeks that have fundamentally changed the way I see God working in my life. Me too. And we'd love to hear your stories too. Our email address will be in the show notes. Uh, Reach out to us. What we were just talking about earlier (laughs) is how when we had Carlos Whitaker on a few weeks ago, or the books that we're currently reading now, and the notes that we had from episode one and two, how things are just kind of like weaving in and out. And either all of these people are on the same page, and they have been in a conspiracy against us (laughs) to make us think that you know, God is moving in this way, or really God is moving in our lives and not just my family's life or Emily's family's life, but that God is actually moving and orchestrating and planning and empowering us through his Holy Spirit. Amen. What say you? I say amen. Yes. And amen. Um, well, and it, like I said to you yesterday, all these books that I've read concerning the Holy Spirit, I'm on, what, the fifth one that I've read. Y'all, that is like a record for me. I mean, I love to read, and I'm a good reader, but for me to have read five books <laughs> in the past three months is real good. <laughs> they all have a lot of the same messages, and they all, I mean, they're presented, of course, in different ways, but they all have these same bullet points a little bit, or at least that have shown up to me, that I have read read them and seen a common thread besides the subject matter, but obviously. But, um, and like you were saying, is everybody else always already been on the same page and I'm just getting here. I mean, I feel real late to the party, the Holy Spirit party, actually. (laughs) Me too. And, and, and to be honest, um, it's not that we have um, resisted intentionally. I think it has something to do with, and I can speak for myself, I think it has something to do with being okay with God being the director and the orchestrator and the editor and the planner. I think that has been so liberating. And it's not like it has been a light switch that has come on. It it has been so gradual that the more that I pry my dirty fingers from, the more that I, I let go of individual things and give God permission to reign over my own kingdom, I start to see it more and more and more. We hear a lot, Emily, of people wanting things to go back to normal. Right. I mean, what would normal look like when they talk about going back to normal? What does normal actually 
look like when it comes to our faith or our worship? What are they talking about? They want to go back to what they're familiar with. They don't want to find the new normal. They don't want to find the, what does this look like now? I liked it the way it was. I liked on Sunday morning getting up, getting here, getting my my golden donut when I got here, having my coffee, fellowshipping with my my church friends and my people and my church family, um, waving, hugging, shaking hands. Community. Yeah, being there. I mean, singing, having that time of corporate worship. We all want to go back to that. I don't want it to be... um, not comfortable with this new thing we got going on. I mean, and I'm guilty of that as well. Um, you know, if I can't sit bunched up with people, <laughs> <laughs> although people may be glad to not to sit with the trotters at church. Um, um, we're a little distracting sometimes. Um, but not being able to sing, not being able to, you know, do all those things that they feel good. They feel good. And I think that this has just had, this has taught us how to work around and see where else we can find it. But gosh, what a great test. What a great, let's think about it. Let's embrace it. Let's look at it to say, okay, how much do you want it? How much do you, you know, how much do you really desire to be in corporate worship? How much do you desire to really have that community and that fellowship with your church home? How much you want it? How much you miss it? Or is it something that you're like, well, if I can't have it that way, then I don't want it at all. We're not talking about the organization and the decisions that churches are having to make some very tough decisions about uh, worship, but but just to prod that, that desire that, man, I miss the community. I miss getting mm-hmm. back. But what if it is something that did not take God by surprise and it is an opportunity for us to not embrace where our spirituality was or our walk with God or our faith was seven months ago? You know, I think about the disciples here. Here they are in between the uh, Acts 3 and the Acts 4 after Pentecost, and Jesus, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven, and then 40 days later, there's this this wonderful event that I can't wait to see on God's DVR. <laughs> and I wonder if any of those disciples, those men, those women that joined the disciples, ever wished it would go back to pre-Pentecost. I wonder, I mean, to see that and say, I, I want to go back. And you have Peter give his first sermon in Acts 2. And then in Acts 4, he gives, uh, or rather Acts 3, he gives his next sermon. And and I don't think those disciples, those apostles, those men and women, they woke up every morning think, hey, everything's just going to be okay today. And, and we have nothing to worry about. They still did not know what the future looked like. But in the meantime, they went to worship. They went to places that were to grow their, their faith. And here... In Acts 3, they had this this opportunity to heal um, this man through the power of Jesus Christ. In the day-to-day moments, they were looking for God. They were looking for uh, opportunities for God to step in and and, uh, be a part of what was going on for them right then, in that moment. 
and you were sharing with me uh, something from Francis Chan and his book called The Forgotten God or Forgotten God that talks about people making plans for the will of God in their life five to ten years down the road. Right. Well, we want that. And we hear that that's such a catchphrase, I think, in church culture that we look for, well, what's the will of God in your life? What what do you think that the will of the Lord is for you? Should you do this career path? Should you marry this person? Should you move here? Should you do all these things? I want to know what the Lord wants, you know, for my life. And I don't, and he asks the question or he poses the question and says, you know, maybe that's not the Maybe that's not the question you should be asking. Um, that's too general. That's too vague. And God doesn't really give us that ever. <laughs> no one gets that because he uses the reference of Abraham. And God says, Abraham, I want you to pack up and go. And then this is what's going to happen. He doesn't say that. He tells Abraham, pack up and go. I, I'll, you know, I'll tell you, I'll show you eventually. And as Abraham goes, you know, little by little, he gets a little bit, a little tidbit here, a little tidbit there, a little tidbit there of what's going to happen. And and surely, I mean, and Abraham doesn't see that the world is full of his descendants. He doesn't ever see that because um, he was old when it started. Yeah, he was looking for <laughs> descendant number one. Yeah, <laughs> he was old when it started. He didn't really get to see the end of it. You know, Moses was the same way. Moses didn't get to see the promised land. Now, of course, that some of that was Moses' own fault, but he got to glance at it. The Lord said, okay, there it is. Here's where you've led your people. Now, that's it. You don't get to live there. You don't get to go in there and be in that land, but, you know, good job getting them here, finally. So those are those examples of where God, and so you have to really question, did does God ever really give you that step-by-step, step, here's how it's going to happen? And he doesn't. And so, therefore, what we need to do is go in moment by moment. Um, he quotes this woman. Y'all, Forgotten God is my new favorite book. And, yes, I have emailed Francis Chan. <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear a response. So, y'all all email him and say, hey, you need to be on this podcast at our church. Uh, at St. Paul United Methodist Church, they really want to talk to you. Um but this book is amazing, and it has challenged me. It's, it's really asked a lot of really cr- probing questions. But after each chapter, he gives, you know, an example of someone he, I guess he felt lived like that. And one of the women he talks about is Esther Ahn Kim. And she was a Christian, I believe in China. She was imprisoned for her belief. And she knew that that was coming. So she prepared Every day she prepared. She read a little bit more scripture. She memorized, I mean, she memorized scripture and just really opened up her heart for what the Lord would want her to do. And it said that she was not content to merely endure what she was going through, the actual persecution that she was going to. But she asked every day, who do you want me to love for you today? And I think that is what we're talking about and what our example needs to be as in living what's okay, God, I don't necessarily need what your entire will for my entire life is, 
but what is your will right now? It sounds like that instead of asking what God is your will for the next five to 10 years, we should be asking God, what is your will for us for the next five or 10 minutes? Right. I mean, how much better would life on earth be if every single person did that? What's the, what's, you know, what can I do in the next five minutes, Lord? What can I, because that also gets us out of our own head, gets us out of what we think and what we want and focuses our attention, A, on the Lord and B, somebody else that might need it. I mean, what, I mean, can you think about what 2020 might look like if we were all doing that? Yeah, everybody's five to 10 year plan is shot when 2020 came. That's right. And every church's growth plan and Uh discipleship plan, everything got turned on its heels. And the beautiful thing about what God continues to do through us is that he is available and he is right there with us moment by moment. And we are invited to to recognize that he is in those places. And so here's the disciples in chapter three of Acts. They're post-Pentecost. They still don't know what the future is. They don't think everything's, I'm certain that they don't believe that everything's going to be blue skies and the birds are going to be singing and everybody's going to believe what they say. But they were going into the temple and they come to this place where this man is asking for um, some money and and they actually uh, say money, silver, gold, we have not, but what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And this is, even though there has been many signs and wonder at the end of chapter two that that Luke talks about before this, this is the first specific miracle in chapter three of the book of Acts. But it is also the one that spurred on persecution from other people. I mean, maybe that wasn't necessarily persecution from everything dealing with the miracle or the healing. It was what Paul, or rather Peter, said after it. Remember... The uh, when the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, they speak boldly about Jesus yeah. and his resurrection. And that's what Peter does. Yeah. Well, and here again, this, because you said what this has meant to you and allowing God to take over and allowing, and for me, I mean, allow was the word that, that I was thinking of what this has done for me is allowing myself, not only allowing the spirit to be in control, but allowing myself to acknowledge it as, as such and to give credit where credit is due. And that's the, they were, they didn't, this is blows my mind. They didn't have a problem with this man who was all, okay, yeah, he can walk. Uh, okay. How'd you do that? <laughs> you must be from the devil. And it reminded me of this story for some reason reminds me so much of John 9, where Jesus heals a man who was blind from birth. And this man's like, I, and the Pharisees are like, who did this? Who made you see? You could always see. Could you know? And they bring in his parents. Yeah, it's like the long con. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been fooling you for. Th- yeah, <laughs> you know. And his parents are like, "Yeah, no, we can confirm that he has been blind since birth. We don't know how this happened. We have no idea. Don't ask us." 
And the man's like, I can see now. I don't, I clearly couldn't see the man who, who healed me, but I know a man healed me. I know that's what happened. And the Pharisees would not allow themselves to believe what had taken place. That God, that Jesus was who he said he was, that he had this power, this Holy Spirit part of him that could do these miracles, these signs and wonders. Um, you know, Carlos gave us in his book, gave us that wonderful, you know, he and I've never read the Chronicles of Narnia, okay? Um, but I imagine that this, I, this makes sense to me, entering into that wardrobe, into the land of wonders, signs, and miracles. And once you get in there, you want everybody else to come with you. But taking that step into that doorway to enter in there, wow, allowing yourself to be led into that place where you don't have control, where you don't know what's going to happen. Not only do you not know what's going to happen, you don't know what you might be called to do. You don't know if you'll be able to stand and say, hey, do I have the faith to heal this man? Yes, get up. I mean, Peter and John. I mean, Peter. I mean, how much of a fool would they have been if the, if the miracle didn't happen? Right. You know, but they still, they threw, they didn't care what they looked like. No. They didn't care what the perception of, the perception of what people thought of them. They just were obedient. And they knew, unlike the religious leaders at that time, they knew it was not their responsibility to give an answer for God. Right. They didn't have to defend God. And uh, and if what if God didn't show up? You know, it was almost like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What they said, our God is able to do this. But if he doesn't, I just want you to know, O king, we believe that he can. It doesn't matter if he does it or not. That's what we believe and being okay with it. It's so easy mm-hmm. when you think of making a plan for the will of God five to 10 years out. It's easy to say, you know, someday at some moment, yeah. uh, this, is, this is going to happen. And I'm not discounting that, but I don't think we should be doing that instead of asking God, what is your will for the next five or 10 minutes? Yeah, because I think he wants us to say, okay, or if he gives you a a picture or a vision of something that you will have, if you can visualize yourself and you know that you've been promised this, that doesn't mean that you just sit back and wait for that promise to come. Mm-hmm. You still got to live in the meantime. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's Francis says this in his book. He says, it's much less demanding to think about God's will for your future than it is to ask him what he wants you to do in the next 10 minutes. Right. Yeah, you God, can't put that off. Yeah, I'm going to go, you know, I'm, I, I want to be a youth pastor or I want to be an evangelist or I just want to, you know, share my faith with somebody. You know, it's so it's so easy to say, you know, someday I'll share my faith with somebody. 
How about when today, <laughs> in the next hour, God, give me an opportunity. Let my eyes start to see what you see, believe what you, to embrace, to love like you love. What would it be like to say, okay, God, I believe in the next hour, I'm going to have an opportunity to share my faith about you, to speak boldly about you. Yeah. And if it happens... It happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But see, the net effect is it actually does something inside of us. Yeah. Well, my papa traveled a good bit, and he prayed every morning. So I've been told, Lord, let me tell somebody about you today. He prayed that every morning. He didn't always get somebody, but he opened himself up to that. And one time he was getting on a flight He was exhausted. He was ready to just sit down, close his eyes, and rest. And the man beside him was not having it. (laughs) (laughs) And this, Jake Hess was my grandfather. Never met a stranger. He liked to talk to everyone. I mean, to go somewhere with him took forever because he talked to everybody he met. I mean, you won't, you would never come across a kinder, more friendly man than than him. But this day, he was tired <laughs> and he wanted to rest. And the man beside him was just not having it. And he kept on and he was like, "Hey, hey, man, you a preacher? No. Hey, hey, man, what, 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 what? You know, where have you been? What you been doing?" Uh, uh, no, I'm not a preacher. I've just been out, you know, doing, I don't know the exact conversation, but it went on and on and on. And Papa was not giving in to this man. He was like, oh, no, Lord, I'm just tired. And finally, the man looked at him and said, hey, you can save me. And Papa turned around and looked, and all around him on the airplane, people were praying. And so he laid out the plan of salvation for that man on that airplane. And I think he heard from him later. Um, my family will correct me on this one if they hear this podcast. Um, but he reached out to him later and said, hey, just want to make let you know what a difference you made in my life and how I turned my life around after you prayed with me on the airplane and what you showed me. So making the statement of, Lord, let me, hey, in the next five minutes, hey, Lord, living moment by moment with him. You got to be ready for what he brings too. I love the way how God still at that moment was teaching him. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm beside myself. (laughs) This is enjoyable to watch people. I just want to let y'all clue in on that. (laughs) Peter gives that sermon in Acts 3 and kind of lays it out and basically uh, comes to this this point at the end where he says, look, you have uh, had an opportunity um, to see and respond to all that God is doing. And I know in verse 17, I know that you've acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers and those who had come before you. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. At times of refreshing may come 
from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. His sermon, just like his first one, and just like Paul's last one, had this component of an appeal for repentance. Peter points to Jesus, highlights, even gives this excuse a little bit, you know, hey, you've acted in ignorance, but now you know. Now you know. Repent. Turn back that your sins may be blotted out. There's this visual in my heart and my mind that this is, that this word repent and turn back, even though it's used in a very uh, transitive way when you're giving directions, no, you need to turn left, you need to turn right, or you need to turn back to where you, you know, down the road, you need to go back to where you started. It's intransitive and, and metaphorical in the spiritual sense, but has ever so much the same power. And that's what Peter says. You need to go back to where you came from. You need to go back to the moments that you celebrated just the presence of God. And uh, Emily, you were mentioning earlier this, this place, these times of refreshing that comes from being in the Lord's presence. This is what he's offering to them and to us today. Yeah. Where do you going s- back to the garden? Going back, I mean that, that's uh, that's was back in that that time that just walking in the cool of the evening, yeah, uh, not worrying about the curse of whatever. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I mean, think about ending your day in the cool of the evening, walking with the Lord, instead of whatever it is that what, you're doing. <laughs> the you, cool you, of the evening, you'd have to think that these religious leaders they. Certainly. What do you mean, go back to the presence or, you know, my sins may be blotted out? I mean, who do you think you're talking to? I don't have any sins. There's so much need for, even for the, the Christian to, with humility, say, God, whatever I think about today, whatever I think about tomorrow, Whatever I think about the next five or ten minutes, man, I, I I want to allow you to usurp what I think, my plans, and use me for your kingdom. Well, and the challenge is for us not to identify with the Pharisees in these stories, to not be <laughs> the ones that are saying, no, really, who did this? What, uh-uh, what happened here? I wonder how many times we do that with the Holy Spirit. I oh, mean, think absolutely. Of, you know, something amazing happens, uh-huh. but we say, nah, like even godly men and women, boys and girls will do that. Well, and I, this is a silly example, and I'm sure eye rolling for a lot of people, but this morning my day got started off real bad. <laughs> I was grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. And, um, you know, I thought, I'm oh, I'm just going to go sit by myself in my room and get ready, drink my coffee, just take some time to be quiet by myself because I'm irritated and I just don't need to go on the rest of the day being this mad. <laughs> I'm going to yell at everybody that comes across my path. So I got quiet and I got, you know, nothing spiritual. I wasn't meditating. I was sitting in my room drinking my coffee. I took a bath and I played a game on my phone. I didn't do anything, you know. <laughs> 
worthy of <laughs> a podcast on the Holy Spirit. But as I got out, you know, I got in my car, I'd left my keys inside. I had to go back in, get my keys, come back out. You know, everything kind of had that going on this morning. And I had set my coffee down to go back in, and it wasn't in a cup holder. But I pulled out of my driveway, and I have a speed bump in my driveway, and some turns that I have to make. And as I got down to the foot of my driveway, I looked over, and there's my coffee precariously balancing on my armrest. And I was like, ah. And I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for holding that cup of coffee for me. And I know that sounds dumb. And even I was like, Emily, the Holy Spirit is not sitting here holding your coffee. But I was like, but he might be. And he knows that if I had just dumped my coffee (laughs) all over my car and myself, on my way to come record a podcast at the church, that would not, there would have been some unladylike and unchristian-like thoughts and words coming out of my mouth. (laughs) But I took that moment and said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing that. (sighs) And I just felt this presence saying, yeah, I'm here. Where people get all hung up on is... They they would they want to go to the place that says okay now what if it did fall and what if it did spill all over you would you still say thank you God and no I would not thank him for spilling my coffee <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't have been his fault it would have been my fault <laughs> but the fact is, is is does not Scripture tell us that we should in all of our ways acknowledge him give thanks yeah in in trust in him to give thanks in. I think what God wants, and I, just, I think, boy, that Scripture tells us that He wants His people to just be aware of what He's doing around you, just to invite Him in. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, you know, I want just my children, or at least our six-year-old at this time, just to say, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you. Why? Because we, you know, yes, is it forced? It, sometimes it is, but we just want it to become second nature. Right, yeah. And I think what God wants for our lives, I think it's, it's not about what I think. I think what, what Scripture tells us is God wants our responses to just be second nature yeah. that is around Him. And that's the tough part. How do you get from point A where... Well, you know, God's busy with so many things. Why why do I need to bother him with this? As if our you know, that's kind of like reverse humility or re- reverse pride. I mean, it's just like uh, it's just, you know, God, there's other people, don't worry about me. How would we get from that place to a place where we just recognize all the things that God is doing in our midst and we just invite him in? Thank you, God, for the rain. Thank you, God, for the storm. Thank you. I mean, how does that become a doorway for the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, first of all, we say, oh, that's dumb, Emily. Just like he did, the Holy Spirit is not sitting here holding this cup of coffee up. We think that's dumb, and we're afraid that we're going to look dumb. 
look silly or crazy or are it's not going to be true. But my question then is back, why not just go ahead and say thank you? What have you got to lose? If you're not sure whether it was the Holy Spirit or not, let's err on the side of, yes, it was. Yes, it was. And last night I pulled in with some friends to go eat, and there was a parking spot right in front of the building. (laughs) I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this parking spot. Is that dumb? Do I think that God's directing traffic? Not all the time, but he might be. See, I think that's where he gives us the desires of our heart. But when it doesn't happen and there is a parking spot a half a mile away, we're also thankful because, okay, God, what do you want me to see on this route to as I walk? It is not by accident that things uh, that happen. I mean, think about Rahab. When the spies go in to do reconnaissance in the city of Jericho, by the way, did they really need to do reconnaissance? I mean, think in how did the prostitutes yeah, house? Yeah, how how did the walls actually come down? You think about Jericho being defeated. How did the walls actually come down? None of the reconnaissance from inside the city actually helped. Okay, I think God used this time of reconnaissance to save Rahab. Wow. And the whole purpose of what God was doing had no clue. Joshua had no clue. The spies, no clue about what was really happening. See, God was able to see that Rahab would become the husband of Solomon who would become the the parents of Boaz, who Mm. married Ruth, who become the father, the parents of Obed, who would become the parents of Jesse, who would become the parents of David. And God used that moment of two insignificant spies going in for reconnaissance that wasn't really necessary because none of them actually had to go into the city. They just marched around it and the walls came down. But he used that as a way to secure the lineage and talk about grace, talk about mercy in a book of destruction, in a book of, of utter um, conquest, it begins with mercy. It begins with grace. Would you just for a moment embrace the idea or ask yourself the question, what if God can use me on this sidewalk? What if, what am I supposed to see? Just imagine what God might be doing in the bigger picture and be okay with the fact that you may not see the results. I'm shook. Because <laughs> Rahab is a story that I love. I love Rahab and her salvation and what she chooses in that moment. But to even consider that that whole thing, that whole spies going in, that whole thing was for her and for the lineage of Jesus. Wow. And it just, if you think that God is not in the details, is not in every single detail of our lives, you got to get on that train because that's a lot of care 
in that one story. And that's just one story. One Bible story right there. And who Rahab was and her whole family lived. It says later, they still live amongst the Israelites. She brought all of them. She became the mother of Boaz. Her, her, she herself was like an outsider who came into the Israelites. She became the mother of Boaz. Who Guess who Boaz married? Ruth, an outsider. An outsider. She was a Moabitess, which, uh-uh, Israelites were to not have any part of them. And there she was. And that in and itself, Ruth and Boaz, what a beautiful story they are. And how blessed they were and the blessing that Ruth was to a people that were not her own. And God is in all of those details, absolutely every one. So anytime you say, well, I'm dirty, these iniquities that I've got, I, uh, I, that can't be forgiven. But there in, in Acts, it says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins will be, may be wiped out. That's immediate. That is absolutely immediate that they're wiped out. We're so used to these days needing that 10 to 14 day buffer zone. No, not with this. Uh-uh. You've got immediate cleansing. It's just like in Zechariah 3 is my favorite chapter in the Bible right now. I know it's random, but I came upon it listening to a sermon by Earl McClellan, who is a pastor in Dallas, Texas, and he preached on this short chapter. It's a real short chapter, and Zechariah is almost at the very end of the New, of the Old Testament, so look it up. But it says that Joshua is here. Here's Joshua again. I mean, see what we're talking about? Here's Joshua in this vision that Zechariah is having. Joshua is standing before the Lord with Satan beside him, the accuser. And the angel of the Lord says, take off his filthy robes and gives him clean robes immediately. Immediately he gets those filthy rags taken from him. And it's like, as Earl McClellan said, that as Satan is standing there accusing him, it's like Jesus looks at him and says, shut your mouth. (laughs) You shut your mouth right now. He's clean. In fact, here's a turban, a clean turban to put on his head. It's immediate. And we don't have to listen to those lies We don't have to listen to the accusations of how much we're screwing up about how we're not doing it right, about how we've missed the Holy Spirit calling. You've missed it too late. You can't help in this. Uh Uh-uh. That's not, this is for someone else, not you. Someone else will get here and walk down this sidewalk. You don't, you know, yeah, I'd be nervous if I were you. You're not going to be good at this. We don't have to listen to that. We can look at him and say, shut your mouth. My robes are clean. God has come. And I am able to walk with him in the refreshing cool of the day because he says so. 
I can do that. I can't. <laughs> it's not something for down the road. It is for right now. Yeah. It's for right now. And Rahab did not know about all the worship ceremonies. She had no idea what a praise offering was or a offering of the scapegoat or a lamb. She had no idea about the story of the covenants or any of the promises. But she just, what she did hear, she heard with her heart and not her ears only. And so my encouragement for us, myself, and those who are listening with us is just for a moment, listen to this with the ears of your heart. What does God have for you in the next five to 10 minutes? What does God have for you where you would open up for a moment to the possibility that God can use you for his kingdom. It's so comforting to be able to say in five years or 10 years, but we get anxious at that moment to say, what about the next 10 minutes? What about the next half a day? How about just how about for the next day? And then keep your eyes open. And I promise that as you keep your eyes up, no, I don't promise. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> God promises to show up. It may not be what you think it might be or how it, might should, how it should look. But the fact is, just us looking, you might see the sunset different. You might see a, feel a cool breeze different. You might just smile at someone down, walking down the street and you might have changed their trajectory. Or you might have an opportunity to share your faith. Just imagine. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate uh, you being a part of this conversation. And um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, we have some guests that will be joining us and we'll let you know who they are when they, uh, when they, <laughs> when they show up, <laughs> when they show up for that week, but we'll let you know who they it's are. not Francis Chan yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. May God hold you in the palm of his hand and remind you that you are his and he is yours. God bless.